0: Support WrestleTalk.
2: Give us a subscribe.
0: Hey, everybody, I'm John Cena. Hey, it's professional wrestler Colt, Boom Boom, Gabbana. Hey, I'm Double J, Jeff here. This is Rich Swan. Matt Riddle, the King of Bros. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Do it, bro. Support Ollie. Support Luke. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Home of Luke Owen. Whatever WrestleTalk is and whoever Luke Owen is. Vote the Ravens. Never more.
2: Rebel, Hello and welcome to the Talk podcast. I am Luke Hone, and I am joined by Alex, Queen of the Ring.
3: Hello, how
2: are you? I'm doing very, very well. Thank you very much, Alex. Thank you all so much for joining us on this show.
3: Thank you for having me. I mean, a lot of people requested me on Twitter, which was wild overwhelming I cried <laughs> it was great
2: <laughs> you were very very popular you know that's what Mania is what being a Mania champion can do for someone oh, yes. <laughs> that's, true.
3: that's true first women's QuizzleMania champion
2: yeah I so, guess so <laughs> one might say people's fate the real people's champion because it's certainly oh. not Sean
3: thank god it's not Sean <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, right, well, uh, we're going to speak to Alex a little bit more in the outro portion of this podcast, but it's time to dive into the main show where we're going to be talking about potential SummerSlam plans between Randy Orton and Tommaso Champa, but also uh, our thoughts about Charlotte taking some time off from WWE and who could fill in her for uh, who could fill in her position. Here is the show. Hello, uh, to dive into our big talking point for this week. So this comes from our own Louis Dangor over at WrestleTalk.com. Uh, Randy Orton, so like after NXT TakeOver in your house, Randy Orton was on social media with the whole leg slap thing, which then Tomasa Champa took issue with. And they had like a bit of back and forth. Mm-hmm. Well, according to uh, Talk sources, Randy is quite keen on then working with someone in NXT and turning this into a storyline for TV. Mm-hmm. So the one of the proposed matches, apparently for SummerSlam at the moment, is Randy Orton versus Tommaso Ciampa, which, I mean, sounds great, right? Like, that sounds like a, a wicked match if we could get it.
3: It does sound good. I, Tommaso Ciampa, when he was... Uh... When he first came out with like no music, he did remind me of the Legend Killer like early on Randy Orton. So I think it is a good matchup. I'm curious to see how they would go about it. If SummerSlam would be a good um, a good chance for them to get this feud going, because it seems like SummerSlam is almost like the dream match uh, pay per view, especially yeah. last year when we saw Charlotte versus Trish Stratus, which was a huge match. Uh, So I'm very excited to see, I hope that they pull it off with Tommaso Ciampa and Randy Orton because they would have really good chemistry, especially with the promos
2: that that's a yeah i think the promo work between the two would be some of the best parts of this so uh, apparently one of the things is because champa rejected the full-time roster move like you know they offered him to go to the main roster he had no interest in doing it predominantly because he didn't really want to do the main roster schedule Mm -hmm. of constantly touring and constantly working he was very happy just to stay in nxt and you know going by a lot of the main roster call-ups Probably a smart move.
1: Yeah. On, uh,
2: on Tommy Champs' part. But with everything being at the PC at the moment, this is this works out well for Chamber. He doesn't have to do the main rostering show. Like he can be on RAW and he doesn't actually have to move anywhere. Like he can just do everything at the performance center. So this could be like, but the, the, apparently, from what we've been told, no decision has been made as to whether this feud will be on RAW or it will be on NXT. Or it'll be on both. Like at the moment, it's very much as it. like this is what Randy Orton is pitching to do. He wants to work with someone from NXT. Champer is the name that's been put forward. The other name is Adam Cole as a uh, another potential uh, SummerSlam matchup for him. Both of which I'm like massively into. I yeah. think more, more the Champer side of things, I think, because as you say, the promo work.
1: Mm-hmm. But
2: like if you use this as your way to call up the Undisputed Era to the main roster, I'm also really for that
3: yeah that would be an interesting way to put up the undisputed era in the main roster i mean that is also an exciting matchup adam cole with randy orton even those promos would be good and the in-ring work would be fantastic and it's it's exciting because unfortunately with due to to the pandemic and they're forced to perform in the pc center uh it's it's almost a blessing in disguise because we do get these dream matches like what we got earlier with uh, Charlotte and Rhea Ripley, and they can go back and forth with Raw and NXT. I I would hope that Tommaso Ciampa and Randy Orton is Raw because like you said, Tommaso Ciampa didn't want to do with the schedule for Raw touring, and now he can actually finally appear on Raw and have this fantastic feud with Randy Orton and stay comfortably at home, at the PC, um, but it's it's interesting because I've heard a good amount of NXT talent don't want to move up to the roster, yeah. so it's, and I think uh, everyone could agree that whenever they do move up to the main roster, it's hit or miss, and most of the time, it's a miss, uh, so it's interesting to hear that these performers don't want to go to the main roster, but they do want to put in the work and try to, you know, put on great matches. And I think that is what I always looked forward to watching when I used to watch live um, when they did the Performance Center was to see like who was gonna be the mix up, like seeing Bianca Belair move up. That was exciting. But then we thought that she would go for the title right away and she didn't, which was fine. I almost thought that for SummerSlam they would have Charlotte Flair versus Bianca Belair and Bianca would finally go after the NXT title. It would be a perfect, they already have a great story to tell. They faced off at the Royal Rumble, Charlotte eliminated Bianca, and then Charlotte intervened with Bianca versus Rhea Ripley at the last live takeover. So it's, it's matchups like that where, especially with these uh, NXT talent where they've appeared in the Royal Rumble and Survivor Series, it's it you know there is a lot of story to tell with both talents on each roster it's just hopefully they could execute it well
2: I, I wonder with the Bianca thing because I I, I can't see what you're saying with that and I definitely could have seen that being a possibility but like the Charlotte NXt run ended very felt very prematurely like it didn't really feel like she put over anyone on the way out yeah and, and I think like because of the Becky pregnancy like they essentially had to cancel all of their they sh- have their, their- Becky plans that they had and just and cancel all of their Charlotte plans that they had in NXT took the title off of her and just moved her back to Raw but now Charlotte's taking time off as well but I, I wonder if like had Becky not uh, announced her pregnancy and left that they would have gone that way with Charlotte because I, I mean I've been saying on this show like I've always figured the main goal with Charlotte in NXT was to eventually put over Rhea Ripley mm. at Mania next year
3: yeah, I thought that with Charlotte going to NXT, she would keep the title for a while and just try to put over as many as as much talent as possible because there's a lot of women that are fantastic in NXT, uh, who we haven't really seen shine as bright as others. Uh, um, I think Io Shirai having the title is fantastic. I just For me, I just wish it would have been at a different time because I did like seeing Charlotte with the NXT title and uh, it would have been exciting to have her come out every single Wednesday and just do an open challenge and just demolish the whole roster. (laughs) Uh, As much as people would hate to see that because I know a lot of people don't like Charlotte going over and having so many opportunities, but it's she's Charlotte Flair she's like no one can touch her in that whole roster and so that's why I was excited for her to take the title from Rhea because I was like okay well now we're gonna see more um opportunities for these NXT women and it kind of it seems a bit stuck for me a little bit uh and that's why I was excited when Charlotte won the title because I thought that she would continue her feud with Bianca. now Bianca seems a little stuck in the roster. and
2: where is she?
3: Yeah, I don't know. they They have her teamed up with street profits, and it was good for a while, but she absolutely does not need them. and she and they don't need her either. So I think it's just another one of those moves where it's like, oh, these two are married. let's just put them together
2: yeah yeah I I was really gutted about that as well like when she came up after mania I was like yes brilliant like what a a brilliant time to bring up Bianca Belair and then yeah she's like I I think she's probably had matches on main event but that's about it um because I the other thing I actually did want to talk to you about to have on this show now that Charlotte is taking time off I WWE is in a position at the moment where for the last couple of years they pushed ronda to the moon they built the entire women's division around ronda becky and charlotte you know they had the main event last year now all three of them are gone Mm. and i think we're really feeling the effect of them building the division around those three now that they're gone where no one really feels like a star in the main ross women's division i think bailey and banks are doing incredible work over on smackdown but on raw like, it's Asuka's the champion, but she doesn't really feel like much of a champion at the moment because they're not giving her big definitive wins. Mm-hmm. She only, she drew with Naya at Backlash and then only beat her because of a referee fast count. And she only beat Charlotte because Charlotte got injured. And so it doesn't really feel like they're putting a lot of behind her. Like, who is, who could be the breakout star for Raw? Like, who we, should we be building this division around? Other than Asuka, obviously.
3: I think it should be Bianca. I think she's proven that she's widely popular, very, very talented. It almost seems like when they put the title and the Money in the Bank win on Asuka, it was just a safe choice because they knew that everyone loves Asuka no matter what. She uh, will always, she's a worker. She's always going to put her 100% into it. But you're right. It doesn't feel like Asuka is that grand supreme champion that we should be really paying attention and she's not getting these huge victories it's just like oh well of course she won she's Asuka that's what it feels like Uh, and I agree with you where Bailey and Sasha are doing a fantastic job on SmackDown an absolutely fantastic job but that's you're right where it's like they build up Charlotte Becky and Ronda as these huge huge hitters in the entire women's division because they were going after the Raw and SmackDown title last year. So it's the entire women's division and it was these three and congratulations to them for main eventing WrestleMania, the first women's main event. Fantastic. But then after that, they really dropped the ball because even after when Becky won, there was really no one for Becky and everyone was hoping that Sasha would come back and then she did and she came back and then she moved to SmackDown but then she teamed up with Bailey, and they do have fantastic chemistry together, and Bailey as a heel is my favorite. She's so much better as a heel than she was as a face ever on the main roster, at least. I mean, when she was in NXT, fantastic baby face. but now that she's on the main roster, this heel run is just I can't I they they just work so well together. and it's it's she's Bailey's not as annoying, but she is annoying. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
2: <know>? Yeah, totally.
3: <laughs> and so I, I, and that's also the thing where during the Royal Rumble, Naomi had big, big, big eyes on her, such mainstream uh, attention on her because she, you know, she came out with her natural hair and no one's ever really seen that in wrestling. and And there were so many people that saw her and that saw themselves in her. And there was such a, opportunity to capitalize on Naomi and they dropped the ball and WWE is a company that would sell their souls just for a little bit of mainstream attention and they got it they (laughs) got it with with that clip alone that clip of Naomi coming into the ring got what it's up to 10 million views right now or something on Twitter at least I don't know about the YouTube channel but it's gotten a lot of attention and they're like oh well yeah that's cool they didn't do anything they could have I understand if they didn't want to have Naomi win that night because they had Charlotte fine. they had plans with her, but they could have done something with Bailey and Naomi with the Smackdown title she was she was in the middle of it with when it was uh Bailey and Lacey Evans and Sasha and Naomi, and they could have done something great with Naomi and have her win at WrestleMania. You already have the mainstream eyes on her. And for weeks, people were tuning in just to watch Naomi and they completely dropped the ball with her. Yeah, And that's someone that they should have. I think that they should build the division around because you have the mainstream eyes, you have so many little girls and little boys and and any age doesn't matter. It, it, it ranges where people relate to her and, they could have built something really huge with Naomi and they just didn't and I, I think when, we all know why. <laughs> yeah,
2: when she came back at the Rumble, like when we did our live stream reaction, I couldn't stop, I just came like, God, she looks so rad. Yeah. She looks so awesome.
3: She looks so good. Her hair just like flowing, running. Oh. And then just when she jumped over <laughs> and then, oh my God, she looked amazing. She looks so good. And not only that, but she is a fantastic performer and she has proven time and time again that she is absolutely underrated and <clears throat> nothing.
2: I was actually quite stunned when she was champion on SmackDown that she wasn't champion for longer because she had the belt with like the glowing stuff on it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, WWE will sell their soul for some mainstream appeal. They'll also sell their soul for anything they can sell as a toy. Like I was like, well, that there's a toy right there. Like that is the most toy belt.
3: Right. Perfect toy. And yet they never made it. They never made a <laughs> replica. And yet... But With the Fiend belt, they charged what four thousand dollars for that. <laughs> Where I don't know who actually bought that belt, but I'm pretty sure there would have been a ton of people if they came out with a SmackDown Glow belt. If you charge what usually belts, replica belts, are like 500, if you up it a little bit more to 800, a lot of people would have bought that belt. Yeah, so <laughs> there's no excuse.
2: <laughs> um speaking of sort of uh people lacking stars of this company lacking stars um lastly on the Tommaso Ciampa Randy Orton match which could potentially happen at SummerSlam we're not we're not saying for sure that it is it's just that from what our sources have said Randy is pitching for this match but at the end of the day this is a Vince McMahon call and Raw is lacking in heels um Mm
0: -hmm.
2: I you know Dolph is getting this shot at Extreme Rules because Jinder is out there. That is essentially what it boils down to. Mm-hmm. So we're getting so we're getting Dolph versus Drew, but Dolph does not feel like a main event heel. In fairness, neither does Jinder at this point.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So the only top level heel they've got is Randy Orton. So if Vince is looking at his big SummerSlam match and it's Drew as champion, I could 100% see them being like, look, I know you want to do the NXT thing with Cole or, or Champa, but... I need you to be my top level heel and face Drew for the big match at SummerSlam.
3: Yeah, they see, I see that, but I also would love to see them make Kevin Owens a heel because he's fantastic as a heel and he apps, I think it is beyond time for him to get a title shot. I've been pitching for a while for Kevin Owens to come back as a heel and he didn't and he had that little thing with seth rollins at wrestlemania which was a good match but i think kevin owens deserves a little bit more than that um but you're right it could it could change up where brandy orton he's the only heel in the roster and they could just be like you know what go after drew mcintyre we can possibly do randy versus Tommaso survivor series and maybe build yeah. up something where it's a raw versus nxt again which hopefully they do that for survivor series because that was a really good idea where they brought the nxt crew in for that pay-per-view i'm sure really, it was
2: it really helped with the ratings as well
3: yeah, yeah yeah it opened up the ratings and i'm sure it was just like um i'm sure maybe they didn't want to plan that out because when they were all stuck after, what was it, the Crown Jewel? And there yeah, was, was that Crown SmackDown. Jones,
0: Maddie, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah
3: And there was a very, very successful SmackDown. And I think that's how they were like, oh, okay, let's just scrap whatever we had in the first place and bring these NXT folks in. Uh, so maybe you can build something there with Survivor Series. I mean, I don't know. I think it's just time that we just start building up some heels. There's a good amount of time what it's about it's barely july and so summer sam will be in august if you do it well you can build up a new heel i i would volunteer kevin owens for that
2: yeah i think owens is a good shot like i really like him as a babyface, but to be honest after the big win I mean, he got two wins at wrestlemania he beat mm-hmm. seth rollins twice that's and true his, and his reward for that was to not really be on tv i know he got injured in that but seth rollins who lost twice at wrestlemania Went into a WWE Championship program, so yeah. like, I, to be like, like you're right. You may as well just turn him heel at this point. You may well, like if you're not going to do with any of them as a baby face, just turn him heel and have him go against Drew.
3: And I don't think Kevin Owens ever worked out as a baby face. To me, at least, I, he never worked out as a baby face. He was always much better as a heel. I enjoyed his work in uh with promos and in the ring as a heel. um So I don't know. I mean, Randy Orton is a he's a he's a he's an excellent heel. He is an excellent heel. He's been a heel for a very long time. He's been very trustworthy in the company to have these grand matches and make it feel like a big match, especially against Drew McIntyre. It could work, but I would much rather see Randy Orton versus Tommaso Ciampa at SummerSlam. So fingers crossed that he gets <laughs> it. <laughs>
0: Do you like
2: quizzes? Do you like wrestling? Do you like watching self-professed experts in their fields being exposed as dangerous frauds? Then you'll love Quizzle Mania, brought to you by Parts Fun Known, the team behind acclaimed wrestling RPG No Rolls Barred. Join us every week as four wrestling pundits pit their knowledge against each other in a cerebral wrangle for prizes, glory, and a bit of good old fashioned escapism. Enjoy the videos live every Wednesday on Parts Fun Known's YouTube channel, or subscribe right now to have them beam straight to your mobile device Quizzlemania it's the showcase of the
0: Amorons <music>
2: Uh, right well let's dive into our patreon mailbag if you want to submit a question to the mailbag all you got to do is become one of our awesome pledge hammers on patreon at any dollar amount and leave a comment in the community section labeled mailbag do not email me i will lose it i'm very bad at my job uh Right, so last week we didn't do uh, a Rust Talk podcast for obvious reasons. Uh, the the speaking out movement was way more important that, than us doing this podcast, and uh, it it felt almost trivial to be doing a podcast talking about. You know, so we we didn't do an episode last week. Mm-hmm. So we have got an overflow of mailbag questions. Um, right. it, you're in luck. Um, <laughs> I picked out some of the best ones from uh, the previous week, as well as the new ones we've got this week. So here is the mailbag. Mr. Juicebox, I've been thinking about if AEW will ever go live against Raw or SmackDown starting another ratings war. My question is, do you think will happen eventually? And if so, can they beat WWE in the ratings? I'd probably say no. No, this yeah. point, like, like TNA. Bearing in mind, TNA were getting one million consistently, one million viewers every single week. They could put on the best show ever, one million viewers. They could put on the worst show ever, one million viewers. They had a one million viewer audience. As soon as they went to Monday nights and went against Raw, that audience just chipped away and never really came back. So, yeah, I, I sometimes Raw has just got a consistent audience that I don't think you're ever going to take away from
3: yeah and how long has Raw been on air where like they've been on air for so long they have like what they're up to like 2,000 episodes now like I I get the nostalgia of people wanting AEW versus WWE purely with main roster versus main roster but it's just like we did it in the 90s (laughs) we saw how that worked out WWE won and I'm not saying that WWE would win against AEW but it's just like they, they're they doing the respectful things of just AEW is on Wednesdays. They have their own, you know, it's very different compared to Raw and SmackDown. And I think comparing the viewership that night, sure. But I just don't think it would work out. I wouldn't yeah. personally would want to see it. I think they're fine on Wednesday nights
2: dwayne the gronk johnson having done media for a level i'm a massive fan of camera work and production i've been watching some riptide wrestling on youtube and their camera work and lighting is fantastic it makes every single match look like a movie this made me want to ask you guys is there any particular wrestling moments or matches that you've seen where you've absolutely loved the camera work or style of production um yeah the riptide are doing like the the pack um match he had with karanoir like the way that it's it's so so nice to see
3: yeah and that venue too where uh what was the venue um i saw on iwtv um it was big swole versus i forget who i forget who the other woman is it was a good match but that venue where they performed like the lighting in there and the camera work and it works so well in that Intimate venue, yeah, it's, yeah, I agree that at the camera work, whatever they're doing a Riptide, they're doing it well and they should not fix it. <laughs>
2: but uh, yeah, I, I
3: yeah, yeah, I would say, like, when growing up, WrestleMania 10, that overhead shot when mm-hmm. it was, um, uh, Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon with that ladder match, that shot. I've always loved. And then they got that shot, shot back when they did the the greatest match ever for Backlash, which was Edge versus Randy Orton. And when they brought that back for that match, I just... It's something about that angle, that camera angle that I just love. And I wish they played around with a little bit more with uh, WWE.
2: I was gonna say, like, I mean, I'm no Kevin Dunn supporter. I think his crash zoom style of filming is unwatchable at times, <laughs> makes me feel a bit ill. I don't even get motion sickness, but it almost makes me feel ill. But um I do think at times they he can pull out some real gems, particularly when it's something happens in the ring that the audience sees first that you don't see at home. I also think NXT do it really well with Keith Lee, like his Godzilla rising from the sea, just being like, I'm gonna do this now. And then Keith Lee's like, Nello. <laughs> um, just pop them shot. I think they do that really, really nicely. Uh, Liam Tear says, uh, "Hey guys, hope you're doing well and staying safe. Um, what do you think about the Undertaker's Last Ride documentary on the network?" <sighs> okay. I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't finished it yet. I've still got. I haven't watched the last two episodes yet.
3: Okay, I finished it. I'll try not to spoil anything for you. Uh, I thought it was very interesting the way. Well, I don't want to spoil it, but obviously, <laughs> <laughs> well, at the end, it's it's it seems like he's retired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of people, I was talking to my friend about this, and he was like, I don't think I liked the way it ended and the way that he retired. And I kind of broke it down to him. And I was like, look, he is the oldest gimmick in the business. And he's gone on for this long. And I think it's perfect where you retire the oldest gimmick in the most modern way with a documentary
2: this way. <laughs> Yeah, that's a really interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, right, yeah.
3: and and even in the beginning, they started off at WrestleMania 33 and that classic match where he left all his stuff in the middle of the ring, and we thought that was the end. And I think this was a therapeutic, uh, therapeutic experience for him to film this documentary to accept that his time is up. And it's, I don't think, I think that um, filming this, I think if he didn't film this, he wouldn't really come to terms with his retirement. Having the opportunity to talk about the beginning of his career in this way with WWE, where he's comfortable to talk about it, you know, in in the way that he did. And just, I enjoyed it. I liked it. And also I think it's funny how it's, at the end of the day, it's just a love story between Undertaker and Vince McMahon. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I, I mean I, I watched the first part of it with my wife who's not a wrestling fan uh-huh. uh, and uh, her one you know her review just was I can't watch any more of this it's too sad because oh. it, I, I can't watch this old man continue to beat himself up because he can't go anymore Yeah, it was too sad for her to watch
3: yeah there were some moments where I was like oh, I don't know if I could watch this <laughs> yeah. and there were other moments where he was in the ring with Michelle McCool and working out with her and running the ropes and it was the way that we saw for that Edge 24 documentary when he was running the ropes I was like oh that's so cool like you never see like wrestlers to that you know degree running the ropes that way or training in the ring and to see Undertaker do it was just like fully pulling back the curtain in my opinion so it was (laughs) exciting.
2: The bit that blew my mind, There were two bits that really blew my mind of the three episodes I've watched. One was him training... Was it Primo that he was training with? Or was it Primo or Epico? That's an- yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, huh, I never would have guessed that. Like, if you'd have given me a hundred guesses, I never would have got to Primo for a training partner. <laughs> and the other one, because it blew, uh, like, 13-year-old Luke's mind, was that backstage shot of Kane without his mask on oh, in, like, God. 1998. I was like, what? Like... 13 year old was like that's what I've always wanted to see what yeah. does game look like under the mask
3: <laughs> and we finally got to see it it's his brother
2: <laughs> uh, Jabba JJ uh, okay picture this you're in a horror movie and the scene is you're running down a never ending tunnel and you have three wrestlers to choose from that's chasing you and slowly catching up with a weapon which wrestler are you choosing Scott Steiner with an axe Brock Lesnar with a car door or Minoru Suzuki with a chair have a nice day <laughs>
3: I would take Minoru Suzuki with a chair.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, they're all gonna do some damage, but yeah, Suzuki seems like the most shape. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, might so- as
3: well get it from the Ultimate Murder Grandpa, right? Yeah, I guess
2: so. <laughs> Uh, Chris, uh, my question is, are wrestling fans too sensitive? Take the Jeff Hardy storyline, for example. It's highly controversial and a hot topic, but if this was a Hollywood film or soap opera, no one would care. Why is wrestling held to a different standard? Now, I would, I'd say that the difference there is that like, if you do a, a film about someone who's dealing with an alcohol addiction, you don't tend to I mean you sometimes you'll cast someone who's got an alcohol addiction because they can tap into that as a character mm-hmm. I think with the Jeff thing it's just because it's it's so soon after like his very very public things and like it to say that wrestling fans are too sensitive that would also say that Matt Hardy is too sensitive about it as well because he doesn't think it's a great idea either like addiction is no laughing matter and yeah. I think to, to to turn it into a wrestling storyline almost feels a bit trivial
3: And I think with television and movies, it doesn't blend into reality as much as wrestling does where there is that borderline of, is this real or is this fake? And the same with TV and movies, it's just like, these are, Jeff Hardy actually recently went through this. So I don't know. I don't think wrestling fans are that sensitive. I just think that we're, we are very much aware that of the borderline of real and fake and, I don't, yeah. I think I crossed it.
2: <laughs> uh, Owen, uh, hi Luke and Alex. Uh, I just got into Final Fantasy VII and realized that Kenny Omega's One-Winged Angel is a reference to Sephiroth. Uh really random question, but has Kenny ever done a cosplay as Sephiroth before? And do you think anyone in WWE will ever copy the One-Winged Angel as a finisher? I don't know if he has ever done the Sephiroth. He's done lots of, like, I, I mean, he's done a lot of bad cosplay over the years. Um <laughs> I will die on this hill that his Terminator entrance at Wrestle, at Wrestle Kingdom was rubbish. Uh, I will die on that hill because it looked pants.
3: I liked it. <laughs> I liked how hokey it looked. So yes, that's hokey just, is the right word. It. it looked hokey. It did. But I liked it. <laughs> I don't know if he's cosplay. I'm not too familiar with Final Fantasy. I'm not too sure if he has cosplayed that character as... Uh, but for anyone in WWE who would take that finishing move, I would like to see, and maybe it's just me, but I would like to see a woman take that move and maybe like Io Shirai.
2: Oh, yeah, that's good. I mean, I'll be honest, I've I've been on record saying this before. I'm not the biggest fan of One Winged Angel as a finisher anyway because I think it's too cumbersome to set up.
1: Mm. Um.
2: So yeah, I, I, I think it's, yeah. It, then again, I would have said, you know, 15 years ago, no one's ever going to take the Styles class as a fin- Styles class as a finisher, and then you know Michelle McCool did it, and yeah. you know what? it was that was fine. I remember at the time being mad, angry, well angry about it because I was like, no, no one does that move but AJ Styles. <laughs> and now in my thirties and Jordan it doesn't really matter. Uh- <laughs> says, I hope you guys are doing well. Pete and Andy have a segment on the Smackdown podcast called Snack Clash, where people email in about weird foods they love, but others find disgusting. For example, Andy loves salt and vinegar crisps with milk. Do you guys have any sort of disgusting snack? No. No, I mean, there's nothing more disgusting than salt and vinegar crisps and milk. Like that.
3: And milk? Yeah. Oh, that's... <laughs> Oh my god, his poor breath. Um, no, I don't have anything. I don't think I do. No. no, like I like
2: I like raisins as a snack that my wife thinks is weird, but uh, I I think raisins are a lovely little snack, a little I, thing after dinner.
3: Yeah, I like oatmeal raisin cookies. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah,
3: don't feel <laughs> bad about
2: it. Yeah. We're,
3: we're normal. We've got normal taste buds.
2: <laughs> uh. Yo, and Keating, uh, hey lads, hope you're doing well. As many of you people have gone through various lockdown activities, quizzes, breaking your own bread, mandated walks, I'm now looking at starting a podcast with my partner. Yes, I'm being that guy. Uh, in taking on this endeavor, I want to ask you about microphones and editing software. What guy, do you guys use and where's a good place for a fledgling podcast to post episodes? Um, look up Spotify, I can't remember what it is now, but uh, Spotify have got their own platform. Um, so I'd recommend loading it to there because it's free. There's a lot of like free platforms that are available, but some of them have like upload limits and things like that. I think Spotify's is unlimited, so that's the one I would certainly recommend. Um, we're on Acast, but uh, that's a, a good, and that's why we get adverts on the show, but they also take a cut of the money. Um, and in terms of mics, this is a Rode, uh, which is very very nice. It's not that expensive either, and I edit using Audition anything else? What do you use? What what do you use? (laughs) Well,
3: I'm using the Blue Yeti microphone. Uh, This is what I use usually when I do podcasts or um, uh, like streaming like this. Um, I use, if you are interested in doing a video podcast, I use Canon cameras. I Mm. Have a uh, T7i Rebel camera that I got on Amazon and it was a bundle pack and it was only like $800 with a bunch of like mics and and uh, backdrops. If you're interested, I know that is nothing with podcasts, but uh, in terms of videos, I edit on iMovie. Mm. Yeah. nothing wrong
2: with that, man. There's
3: nothing wrong with that. Hope, yeah. Sooner or later, I'll upgrade to Adobe or Final Cut, but right now I'm very comfortable with my
2: iMovie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, Matt Neticfield uh, Hey guys, um, my question is The old school Bray reveal On the 19th of June Smackdown episode Are you guys excited to see old school Bray back And would you like to see him added in To become like the new three faces of Foley Feel like he plays the multiple personalities Better than Matt Hardy does in AEW but That's just my opinion I was surprised by it <laughs> I'll give you that much
3: I, I was surprised by it And you know what Before you finish that question, my answer was strict no. But once it was brought up that he could do like the three faces of Foley, but with Bray Wyatt, I could could see that. I could see that. So I think I changed my answer to yes. I think I am excited if they're going to play it off like that.
2: Also, it delays that Braun Fiend match. And it's a smart way of delaying yeah. the match as well. Yeah. Uh, Chris Gardner, um, quick question here. Combine two or more gimmick matches into one match. What's the best one you can make? I think it would be great to see a tag team Iron Man tables match. Whoever puts their opponents through the most tables in an hour wins. This always reminds me, so back in like 2000, my friend Graham like, kept saying to me like every couple of weeks or so, like, I don't know why they don't do uh, Hell in the Cell ladder matches. Like it's the most it's
0: oh, it, yeah. it's like that's
2: the one I want to see. I want to see a Hell in the Cell match with a ladder match, so you're even higher. And I was and I was like, yeah, why not make it an Inferno match as well? And he's like, yep, brilliant. Like that's the way to do it.
3: <laughs> or maybe you could do like a uh, a hair Inferno match where at the end you just burn the person's hair off. <laughs> Jesus,
2: <laughs> Crikey. <laughs> Uh, Dylan from Cork Uh, If you could have a top wrestler in a major company Have a run at the top of another Major promotion, who would you pick? For me, uh, the two that springs to mind are Daniel Bryan To have a run in New Japan and Tana Hashi To have a run in WWE It would be fantastic to see Daniel Bryan tear it up With the likes of Okada, Zack Sabre Jr. and Ibushi And WWE to give Tana the same treatment They've given to someone like AJ Styles Uh, I think he'd have some Ace matches, pun very much Intended
3: I, I'd, I'd love to see Charlotte in like stardom.
2: Uh, oh,
3: right, man. right. Yeah.
2: <laughs> that's way better than any answer I've got. Done. Next question. <laughs> God damn, that's a good answer. I didn't even. Yeah, that's such a good answer.
3: Right. <laughs> that's it. We're done. <laughs> We're done.
2: I'm moving on. <laughs> Uh, Callum, I went through some fantasy booking today And it was if Brock Lesnar was in a faction With Paul Heyman as the talker But I had to think who I wanted in that faction So I've got Sheldon Benjamin because of the tag team they had Dominic Dijakovic and Cesaro Who else do you think would be good for that faction And do you think Paul Heyman will ever have A Paul Heyman girl?
3: Hmm. I The Paul Heyman girl Should have been Ronda Rousey yes. they, they dropped the ball With that one I I purely think that when Rhonda came, it w- was coming in, it, she should have been a Heyman girl. She should have been out of off that mic, have Heyman talk for her. I mean, she was the Brock Lesnar of the women's division, and they completely ignored it. I think she should have been the Paul Heyman girl. But if we were to add anyone to that faction, I'm not too sure. Who would you think?
2: I don't know, because like it's quite a beefy faction, especially with Dijakovic and Cesaro in there. Uh, I mean, the only thing I could think of is bringing back Chris Hero just so you can reunite the kings of wrestling um, with with Heyman there. But I think that would be a lot of fun. Like um, For me, the, the thing with Heyman is that it's only ever really worked with two people. It's worked with CM Punk and it's worked with Brock Lesnar. Mm -hmm. like for every like you got those two but then you've also got Ryback didn't work there Curtis Axel didn't work there Big Show didn't work there
0: Cesaro yeah yeah Yeah.
2: yeah. so I think like Brock like Heyman's got to be put with someone very specific which is why like I think you're right Ronda would have been a really good shout and Mm -hmm. you know that's what they wanted to do the the pair of them were pitching for them to be a partnership um but Vince was like no no no, Ronda you smile you smile and the world smiles with you uh uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> was so much better when she turned heel. Flaming Clive um, you guys said in your latest WrestleTalk After Dark recording that you've been fans of wrestling since you were kids. Uh, yet every time you guys mention something from your childhood wrestling wise it never really seems to go beyond 2000 there were some really good amazing matches in WCW at the time but the people only remember the terrible things that happened. Uh, feuds such as DDP, Randy Savage, Flavor, Steamboat etc. I'm a tad older than you guys maybe a year or two and I remember a lot of these feuds really well. Uh, my question is why do you guys not talk about uh, these matches and only talk about the terrible things from WCW because they're funnier like it's way <laughs> funnier to talk about the bad moments of WCW and like yeah other than that like it never really comes up in conversation but it always comes up as like why was WCW bad in 2000 oh give me an hour because I can talk for a long old time
3: <laughs> plus I, I'm pretty sure every other podcast or platform is covering the good things about WCW why not cover the bad
2: <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Megan says Hey you consistent content creators Uh, There's less of a question, more of a story My boyfriend has been in hospital, uh, non-coronavirus related uh, But this has meant that we've had to miss Watching wrestling together Because of his injuries, it's difficult to talk to him On the phone at times We live together and enjoy watching wrestling uh, And it was something that uh, we've come to love And have worked into our weekly routines This evening I found myself taking pristine notes On every AEW dark match And segment, much like you guys do uh, For your reviews So I can still share one of our favourite things with him and lift his spirits i felt like i was part of the team getting ready for a review video the next day uh thank you all at rest talk for giving me the skills to accurately describe what i'm seeing and for helping me stay updated with wrestling so i can keep him updated as well your impact as creators reaches farther than you will know stay safe and stay sorry stay safe and stay healthy support each other thank you so much megan that's lovely that's such a
3: lovely story (laughs)
2: thank you very much um yeah i hope your uh i hope your boyfriend's feeling better um yeah absolutely hope you feel better and yeah taking notes while watching wrestling is a fun way to watch wrestling yeah um my friend said that i was ruining it for him a little bit so i remember i was watched. i watched the royal rumble 2018 with him and i was taking handwritten notes yeah. and he was like you're taking me out of the match man because i was like <laughs> i look over to see your reaction and you're like this shinsuke comes out <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah I, I remember watching the royal rumble with friends and i didn't take notes but i said my notes out loud <laughs> And, and and at one point like some like, my friend like turned to me they're like so what do you have to say about this <laughs> I was like oh uh um I'm not taking notes at the moment right now because I, I don't know it's weird because sometimes like yeah. now watching wrestling I'll take notes mentally and I'll think of stuff and sometimes I'll say it out loud and I'm like wait I didn't mean to say it out loud I didn't mean to share my opinion out loud I hope that I'm not it's almost like watching a movie with someone who knows every single line of the movie that's how annoying i feel (laughs) watching wrestling with other people
2: (laughs) uh lorenzo haynes uh why do you guys always mention that you get frustrated with charlotte being a face or a heel what's wrong with her being a tweener personally i think she's a heel and has always been a heel but honestly even if wwe did view her as a face i just want to know why it's such a problem for you I think it's because it's an inconsistent thing is what bugs me about it mm-hmm. is that like she cuts heels as a promo and then she comes out for matches and you got Todd Phillips going like oh she's the hardest working woman she's the greatest I was like, it's it's an inconsistent thing is what winds me up about it it's it was the same that I had with Alexa Bliss and uh, Alexa Bliss actually uh, in particular mm-hmm. every single week she was a different character she was a babyface one week she was a heel the next week she'd be a babyface in one segment a heel in the next segment and it's the inconsistency that wound me up with it. I think it's fine to be a tweener, but you've got to be a tweener. You can't treat them as both. Mm-hmm. You've got to treat them as a tweener.
3: Yeah. It's, but that's, that's the thing with them at WWE. They're just like, it seems like everyone's a tweener, unless you're just Randy Orton and you've been a heel all your whole career. But it's just like, it's one week someone like i don't don't know like lace like lacey evans for example one week she's saving naomi from sasha banks and bailey and then the next week she just she like betrays naomi or dana brooke and it's it's just like i don't know sometimes sometimes i just wish there was a clear of like this person is a baby face and that's what they're gonna be for a little while this person's a heel and that's what they're gonna be for a while like the tweeners it's just like Ah, there's certain there's there's like only a few amount of wrestlers that know how to do it very well, and I think that Charlotte does it very well.
2: Yeah, I think it's just the company doesn't really know how to present that anymore. Yeah, that's maybe part of the problem. While you mentioned Sasha and Bailey, I forgot to say as well. I'm I'm kind of rooting for Sasha to win at Extreme Rules. Yeah, I want to see Banks and Bailey have all the gold.
3: I do too. They would be great. They're they're like someone said it. They're like the modern day DX. Oh, that's okay. Right? okay I, I won't will, I will take credit for that because I saw that on <laughs> <laughs> on Twitter. Someone said that, and I like retweeted, and I was like, I absolutely <laughs> agree. Uh, but yeah, they they're like, I, they should have all the belts. Why not?
2: Why not? Why Get them not? all the belts. Yeah. And our last question comes in from Matthew, who says, uh, I know that everyone focuses on CM Punk returning, but what are your thoughts on AJ Lee returning? I was watching some old pay-per-views and forgot how good she was and how over she was. At the time, I don't think I really appreciated her talent because uh, they were... Uh, because since those around her weren't up to the same level she was uh it would be a huge pop for sure if she came back in front of a crowd and was able to go against asker or the horsewomen i'm wondering what your thoughts are and how you would bring aj lee back if it were up to you yet i mean aj aj is a victim of being the the wrong place uh, you know the wrong or the right place at the wrong time or just actually just the wrong place at the wrong time like if she'd have been an Impact. She would have been like considered one of the greatest of all time because that was when you know Impact were taking that were treating women as wrestling as a serious thing. Mm-hmm. AJ just so happened to be in women's wrestling in WWE when they didn't care about it, right? It so it's like I've always said the same thing about Ivory like mm-hmm. Ivory was in the WWE for the wrong time, like she was like a generation too early. Like if she was in now, we'd be talking about like Ivory's, the Ivory's wicked, oh, yeah. but the she same- was. In-
3: Yep, yep, yep. The same with Molly Holly. Even yeah. I just have to put her in there because oh, she's my absolutely. girl. <laughs>
2: yeah. And but, the, I, I think AJ is just one of those things. She was in the. It was the wrong time. Like a couple of years later, and yeah. she'd have been in the mix with all the right talents.
3: And and that was the thing. It was just like two or three years later because yeah. she did appear. What was her last WrestleMania was was against Paige, and she had that really good feud with Paige. And it was just like, if only she stayed a little bit longer, she we would have had her versus Charlotte, her versus Sasha. Um, I think with um, the way that they brought back Mickie James at NXT, I think they should do that with AJ Lee. And I think now that we have Io Shirai as champion, I would love to see that match against AJ Lee versus Io Shirai.
2: Yeah, do you know, what? I didn't think about that sort of thing, but I, I, yeah, that's really good, actually. Yeah, like the big video announcement of just like yeah. the legend comes back. I think that's really cool because like I, th- my first thought was we were just talking there about how Raw doesn't have like any top level stars in mm-hmm. their women's division at the moment. What a perfect time for AJ to come back and assert herself in that division. And like there is a spot open for her there um yeah like, I think it'd be a great time to bring her back I've I've always I always really liked AJ I hate our entrance music I think our entrance music is the dirt works <laughs> genuinely terrible I will die on that hill but uh I yeah I'd, I'd I'd love to see her come back I really would
3: yeah it's just like a matter of how I think I think with NXT or Raw because Smackdown I think they're fine I yeah. think they're fine with Sasha and Bayley they don't need to add anybody else but with with uh with Raw She would be the the huge name in the women's uh, roster, and that's exactly what they need for Raw. But it just AJ Lee coming back just reminds me of Mickie James coming back, and I really enjoyed the way that she did come back, and I think that she should have stayed at NXT for a little while. Um, So I and I also think if AJ Lee did come back, I think she would rather come back and bring other like these future stars up the way that Mickie James was supposed to do in NXT. So.
2: Yeah. Well, you had to get La, uh, La Luchadora onto the main roster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is all we have got time for on this edition of the Wrestle Talk podcast. Alex, thank you so much uh, for being on the show. Where can people find you?
3: Yes. Okay. You can find me on Instagram at underscore queen of the ring on Twitter. I'm at queen of the ring with two G's at the end. And on YouTube, I am just queen of the ring on there. You could search queen of the ring wrestling, find me there, subscribe, do all that fun stuff.
2: So Alex, uh, I thought we could use this outro portion of the show to get to know you a little bit more. So like, uh, what's your history? What's your history with wrestling? Like, when was the, when did you first get into it?
3: Okay, I have two older brothers who also grew up in the 90s with me. So my first memory of wrestling was WrestleMania 12 with Shawn Michaels zip lining down. I instantly fell in love with him. And during that event my brother was rooting for Bret Hart for the Iron Man match and i had to go against everything my brother was rooting for so i went with Shawn Michaels <laughs> and i just instantly fell in love with him and every single sunday every single monday it would always wrestling would always be on and it was always a, an event for my family to just get together and sit in front of the tv and watch it and it's just always stuck it, always, <laughs> it just always stuck i just never lost interest in it <laughs> well
2: i was gonna because i've i've often fallen out of love with wrestling like there was period i was so hardcore into it in the late 90s early 2000s like that was my my period of time so wrestling like in the uk uh it was only available on sky uh, unless you bought the vhs and stuff and wrestling oh. was wrestling was banned in my household my 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 parents did not approve of it Uh, I once bought a uh, a WWF sticker book in like 1994. And uh, my parents had sent me down with my pocket money to buy the latest issue of Sonic the Comic, which is a UK Sonic (laughs) the the Hedgehog uh, comic book. And I bought that sticker book instead. And my mum made me go back and return it so I could get my Sonic the Comic instead because no wrestling in this household. So it was was like the forbidden fruit to me. Um, So I was like hardcore into it in 2000. But 2002 after the invasion and when hogan won the belt again i would like i just got i just dropped out of it all my friends had dropped out so i just dropped out of wrestling and didn't get back into it until a few years later so if you never had that point where it was like "Ah, i'm done with this now
3: see that's it's like i i was done with it like um so i remember in high school my freshman year of high school we went to our first live event which was a monday night raw in madison square garden and uh, I think it, they also filmed ECW before the Raw because we went really early because we wanted to like just sit in our seats and enjoy the whole entire show. Uh, so we went to that. And I, went, I remember I went to school the next day and I was bragging about it. I was like, oh, I, I went to Madison Square Garden and I went to WWE. Blah, blah blah. And as a freshman in high school, everyone was like, oh, you're so into that fake stuff. So that's when I like, I was still in it and I had like Shawn Michaels on my, in my locker and I like silently like took him down (laughs) and I just became like a closet wrestling fan. (laughs) It was still always on my, at home, but I just never really bragged about it, but I still kept up with it. And then I went away to college. I went to an acting school and uh there was the the network wasn't a thing at that time and i didn't have a tv uh so i didn't really have a way to keep up with wrestling but i knew that at that this time cm punk was coming up and it was the summer of punk and i i I missed that whole era of punk which everyone is very shocked to hear Mm -hmm. but uh i mean he did he did well but i don't think he would have been for me anyway but Yeah, I missed the whole era of punk because I just went to college, but I was still interested. And then I got back into it when I was in a Facebook group and I saw Kenny Omega versus this like nine-year-old girl. I was like, what is this match? Who is this guy? So then I looked into him. And at this time, when I discovered him, he had just joined the Bullet Club as the cleaner. I was like, whoa, who is this guy? (laughs) And then I discovered New Japan and I got into New Japan and Ring of Honor and I dove deep back into wrestling, but just not WWE. And so I got more into that. And then around this time, they were starting up SummerSlam at Barclays Center. So then we went to Barclays Center with uh, me and a bunch of my friends. And then that was leading up to WrestleMania 33. And that was my first WrestleMania. So I went to WrestleMania 33 and I sat there commentating being a fan being a dork (laughs) and there were two huge dudes that were sitting behind me at the end of the show they tapped me on the shoulder they're like do you have a podcast or something because that this was like really interesting to hear and see wrestling but to hear like a women's perspective and I wouldn't imagine that a girl would be as into it as you and I was like no I don't have a podcast but I think it's time to start yeah right. yeah. so I spent a whole year researching how I can do a podcast, how I can get into this, maybe a YouTube channel because with my acting background, I'm very much used to being in front of the camera. So I discovered a YouTube channel would be best for me. And so I studied a whole year of how to what um equipment I would need, programs I would use to edit. And then I went to my first event that I vlogged myself at, which was the uh, women's Royal Rumble, the first women's Royal Rumble in Philadelphia. Uploaded that video and I was like, hit like 12,000 views. And I was like, okay, well maybe there's, there's something here. That same week I won money for the Super Bowl and cause I bet against the Patriots and the Eagles won that year, sorry. American football. Sorry. <laughs> so I won money from the Super Bowl, and that's what paid for the WrestleMania trip, which was WrestleMania 34. Uh, and I got front row to Ring of Honor, which was Cody Rhodes versus Kenny Omega, which is the infamous Cody spitting beer in my face. <laughs> And I went to that WrestleMania alone too. So it was fu- it was it was fun. And I started vlogging, I started meeting more people, networking, and then it just kind of blossomed from there. And I don't know, two, three years later, here I am.
2: <laughs> <laughs> how did you um how did you get involved with Brian and and rushing with regrets? Did he just reach out to you?
3: He just reached out to me. Yeah. Oh. We we met at WrestleCon last year when it was New York. I met him at WrestleCon and he came up to me. And he was like, hey, I'm, I'm a big fan. And I was like, uh, hi, <laughs> you're Brian Zane. <laughs> so that was, I, it was just like, oh, okay, this is, I don't know, that going to WrestleCon and meeting him was just the first time that I was like, oh, maybe like I'm getting a little bit more recognition with mm. what I'm doing, which is cool. Uh, and then months later when SmackDown moved to Fox, he DM'd me and he was like, hey, I'm going to need someone else to do a SmackDown review. I would love for you to be on. And uh, at first I was like, are you sure about that? But then I joined.
2: (laughs) (laughs) What a nice guy Brian is.
3: Yeah, he's lovely.
2: (laughs) Yeah, really nice guy. Um, I've got to be honest. Okay, so full disclosure, I think New York is the coolest place in the world. Um, So... I I have got a lot of jealousy uh, of you just telling these stories of just being like, oh, yeah, just go down the road to Madison Square Garden. Oh, yeah, just half across to Philadelphia. And I'm like, oh, man, well, I love New York so uh, much. I,
3: I know, I know. Well, that's the thing, like growing up in New York and growing up in the Attitude Era where they were always in Madison Square Garden, we would beg. My brothers. <laughs> and I would beg my parents to uh, to go to these events, but we couldn't afford it growing up. But luckily, when they built the WWF restaurant, we would go to the restaurant all the
0: <gasps> time. Oh,
2: you went to WWF
3: New York. I have a very great story. And hopefully I can give you proof. I met the rock at I <sighs> <Yes. laughs> met the rock at the WWF restaurant and I was in the second grade. And I had perfect attendance. I, pray
2: I'm, I'm, I do have to stop right. it because I'm because I'm British. I don't know what second grade means.
3: Second so. grade, uh, it's uh, elementary school.
2: Uh, what age? Like that might be easier. Uh, that's uh, seven or eight.
3: Okay, right, cool. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Seven or eight. I yeah, think?
3: yeah.
2: Okay, that's fine. Yeah, yeah,
3: around there. Very young. Very <laughs> young. And this was uh, 2000. So or 2001. No, this was 2000. So no, 1999. Somewhere around there. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I had perfect attendance and my parents, like we we begged my parents to take us and, and they were like, no, you, ha- you still have to go to school. But they figured out that they would take me to school and the teachers would mark down my attendance and then they would take me out of school <laughs> My parents were obsessed with me having perfect attendance when I was younger. I have no idea why. I didn't sign up for it. So, (laughs) So they took me to school. They marked me down for the day. They took me out of school. We went all the way downtown to Times Square. And it was at this time, it was winter, so it was snowing. And we waited four hours just to meet The Rock. And we finally met him. And it was when he came out with his book, so he signed the book, I still have it. I will get up in a second and show it off. <laughs> but he signed the book. I remember I was like super young and in awe because he had the glasses, the gold chain, oh, the, the uh, oh, and I had this action figure that he also signed where he was wearing the exact same like leopard print <laughs> shirt. And I was just like, oh my God, I was totally marking out. And he called me little mama, which today <laughs> is like, mm, I don't know about that. But back then it was like, oh my God, he called me little mama. <laughs> Uh, we wanted to take a picture with him, but we couldn't. And uh, yeah, and and then we went to Olive Garden after and celebrated.
2: <laughs> so you, you didn't eat at New York and WWF New York?
3: No, because they closed down the restaurant because oh, because right. we're because upstairs was the shopping like center, so they had all the shirts and the replica belts and everything. Uh, and then you would go downstairs, and downstairs was the restaurant. But with the meet and greet, they shut down the restaurant. So we, right. couldn't, yeah, so we couldn't eat at the restaurant after we met The Rock.
2: <laughs> the only reason I ask is I've heard that the food was terrible. As the only, like, the lasting reviews I've heard of the restaurant is that, yeah, WWF New York, the food was awful.
3: It, I don't remember. Too, I was a little too young when, I, when we went to go eat sometimes. So I don't remember the food too much. But I'm sure I ordered, like, chicken tenders and fries when I was <laughs> <Yeah>. younger. So... <laughs> I don't think it made much of a difference, but I will I will show off that book because I yes. still have his signature. Hold on one second. Okay. In, okay. All, its, in all of its glory. The
2: book. <gasps> yeah, there's the book. The Rock Says.
3: And then the signature.
2: Oh, look at that. I
3: know. <laughs> it is. This is definitely something that I would save in a fire. <laughs> <laughs> because like you, he, he he never does meet and greets now or anything so no. actually if he's gonna sign something he's not signing it like this so
2: oh no he's definitely got a he's got a new version of that surely oh yeah
3: i'm sure if i ever had the, the guts to sell this on ebay it'd be a thousand dollars no <I'm... laughs> maybe that should be an option in the Quizzle mania episode <laughs>
2: oh oh man uh yeah, well, uh, Alex. I mean, you know, you've you've told us where you can uh, find us on YouTube. What, what are your? You haven't got any events to go to this year because it looks like we're not going to get any events. But what is the the future for your channel? Like, what have you got planned for it? I
3: don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't really I don't really have a plan for anything. I don't I don't really plan anything. I just like whatever I'm feeling that day. I'll record it. And I'll do it like recently I just I did a top five Shawn Michaels gear I didn't really plan it like that's mm-hmm. something that my, so my friend Paul and I we will we'll always go back and forth like what's your top five favorite faction or entrance music or this and that and uh one day we were talking he was like why don't you just do a video of top five favorite Shawn Michaels gear because you know a lot of Shawn Michaels gear and you're a huge Shawn Michaels fan I was like yep you're mm-hmm. right I should So (laughs) I took advantage of uh, my green screen, which I haven't really used. And I got dressed up (laughs) and I just did it. I don't know. Most of the time I don't plan anything. Like when I used to, when we were able to travel, I would plan like, okay, I'm going to film something in front of Wrigley Field or I'm going to, you know, we're going to go for Royal Rumble weekend. So film and access, film this, film that. And it's really just walking around with a camera in front of my face and see how it goes. So I don't really plan anything. I just go with the flow. I just do some stuff that makes me happy. And nice. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. I respect people that do, like, plan out the co- their content. Of like, this week is going to be all this and that, this and that. And I respect that. But, like, I s- I've, I've never been organized, <laughs> you know? I've never... <laughs> i've never planned anything out i just (laughs) do what i love and it makes me happy and i think it's still you know it doesn't burn me out so
2: and that's the way to do it to complete yeah 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 how's lockdown been been treating you
3: i feel like i'm thriving more during a pandemic than i did before (laughs) i mean to be honest like I'm I I, I I lost my job <laughs> during the <laughs> pandemic and I've been luckily lucky enough to be collecting unemployment and uh I've really I've really used my time during the pandemic to create just create you know but mm-hmm. like, when I work I didn't really have the time to create all week and when I was doing the pandemic uh Dark Side of the Ring came out with their second season so I thought why not be fun to do a live stream and do dark side of the ring live streams and did that for a while and that gained a lot of attention which was fantastic but it was just me like I think I'm just gonna watch this because I never watched it live and I'm just gonna sit in front of a camera and do (laughs) it (laughs) uh and then working with you guys having the opportunity to work with you guys was just mind-blowing but um <laughs> but yeah I don't I don't know I've been doing well I've been trying to take care of myself it's hard living in New York having you know trying to go out for a walk can't really do that uh especially in New York you can't really keep your distance because New York mm. is so.
2: Oh, dude, it's so big like I mean I've only been once so I haven't really got I can't really be like oh I know New York right but I <laughs> in the one time that I have been there I mean, it was so busy. We had a, a taxi from uh, JFK to our uh hotel in Hell's Kitchen, and uh-huh. it took legit two and a half hours to. to yeah. Get
3: there. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a nightmare. What time did you fly in?
2: <laughs> oh, it was late. I think we landed about half ten in the evening, maybe eleven. But it was like, well, I, the taxi I had to drive through like Times Square, mm-hmm. so it was yeah, it was busy. It yeah. was very, very busy.
3: Yeah because I yeah it gets pretty busy especially like from especially from JFK and and driving in during rush hour yeah yeah it's yeah and and that's and that's the thing where it's just like in New York there's nowhere to really go during a pandemic and everything is shut down so I don't know trying my best not to get burned out with um being stuck inside (laughs)
2: Uh, I, I will show you my, my one New York story that I've got, Go um, which is the reason why we went. It was for my 30th birthday. My wife wanted to take me there because my favorite film in the world is Ghostbusters. It's the greatest movie ever made. And I she looked around and there were no Ghostbusters tours and there were no like tours or anything. I was like, Do you know what? It's fine. I know where the locations are because I've done this research in the past. So I've made our own one. I made our own uh, Ghostbusters walking tour to cover the locations from both movies. Uh, and we walked all day. Oh. We walked like from pretty much right like from the top right down to the bottom. We started at Central Park and walked all the way down to uh, Hook and Ladder 8. Um uh-huh. So like yeah we just walked all day long and my wife was so tired by the end of the day like we walked like we uh, we stopped and had a drink on the way back um cuz like I'm I didn't really know so I was like oh yeah to walk to our hotel it's like 50 blocks that can't be that far right so far. It, it, it turned out <laughs> it's far <laughs> we stopped and we had a taco bell uh very late at night uh, and <laughs> The following day, she was asleep uh, at about eight PM because she was still really tired from the previous day.
3: But I, I bet you guys walking, you can definitely walk in New York, but you also see so much more walking, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah.
2: It was amazing. <laughs> I absolutely loved it, and we we want to go back. We were actually so, watching. We watched. Um, we started watching. Sorry, we we started watching the morning show, the Apple TV uh, series with Jennifer Aniston. Oh uh, yeah, and Reese Witherspoon, and that's set in New York. And the first thing my wife was like, "Oh man, I miss New York. We need to go back." I was like, Aww. "Yes, we do."
3: I'm surprised you guys didn't find a tour because usually they will. They have like these buses where they do movie tours, and they'll cover Ghostbusters and like Sex in the City, Seinfeld, even with Tom's mm. Restaurant. So I'm surprised we, you guys didn't find that.
2: We did like a general bus tour, like on the first day we were uh, there. Like those but no, it was like it was a, a one ca- a one van thing, basically. It was like a little minibus thing. Uh there was only like eight of us that were on the tour. Um and yeah, we went around like, you know, all the 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 big landmarks and they dropped us off at the Statue of Liberty so we could get the ferry across to do that.
3: Huh.
2: Um yeah, but it was it was wicked. It was really cool. video uh, uh, I just remember him just constantly pointing out, I was like, and over there is where this famous person got shot. It's like over there, that's where Heath Ledger was found dead. And I'm like, oh man, this is uh wait, what the first thing that I thought it would be. <laughs>
3: That's yeah. It's like John Lennon got shot here. You can see his ghost at like. 11 <laughs> <o'clock>.
2: <laughs> I did say because I'm a huge Beatles fan. I did say like I would like to go to to John Lennon. And, and Kate was like, no. No, no, I don't really fancy doing uh-huh. uh, No, we, we didn't go. No.
3: Oh, you guys should have went because the Dakota's right there, and then the entrance going into Central Park is Strawberry Fields, and they have that little yes yeah yeah uh, next time
2: next time well we're going back so I'm gonna say next time How yes
3: much you love seeing the uh
2: the firehouse from oh <laughs> so good we've got a so in our living room we've got like a framed uh photo gallery of like our sort of travels we've stuff around the world and uh, I was like I've got to have that photo of us outside the firehouse in this and my wife hates it because uh-huh. she's wearing a yellow jumper but she had a, a backpack on that had blue straps. And it's only until after we posted the photos that someone said like, why are you dressed as a minion? And... (laughs) Oh, no! So she hates that photo, but uh, she loves me so much that she let us keep it in the frames.
3: (laughs) Oh, bless her heart.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it was amazing. I absolutely (laughs) loved seeing it.
3: Yeah, I remember going... um... When I first watched, I I watched like Ghostbusters when I was very young, but I remember my uh, like a family member wanted to see the firehouse, and so we would go down, and they had um the uh the the painting like on on the, on yes. the yeah yeah yeah, and they had the the sign but also there was a wall of melted phones throughout the years that that uh firehouse just collected all these burnt phones that they rescued oh wow yeah
2: that, yeah.
3: that's one of my favorite things about that uh firehouse is that they'll have like the, the ghostbusters memorabilia but they also have their own kind of memorabilia of actually being a working functioning firehouse so, yeah,
2: yeah yeah that's <laughs> amazing stuff i'm going back there once this is all over that's where i'm going
3: yes yes you'll you'll come back we'll meet up we'll
2: we'll have some fun yes absolutely yeah <laughs> yes. uh but that is all we've got time for on this edition of the rust talk podcast thank you all so much for listening please do check out alice's uh youtube page and her twitter and her instagram and all of that good stuff links for it are in the podcast description uh we'll be back tomorrow pete and andy will be reviewing smackdown and ollie and i will be back on uh, tuesday for the raw review and the AEW review Is all that good stuff uh but until then take care i love you goodbye